0: Hope in. Instead of what's in your wallet, what are you putting your hope in? And uh, this morning, the idea came from Kwang Do in our study a month ago. We were doing Psalms 119, so I want to give him the pat on the back for uh, gigging us in our house church to think about what is it that we put. Our hope in. Well, in the meeting we shared about that, and that was good, and those things were really thought provoking. But when I came home, I thought, hmm, I need to look up a definition. I'm a teacher, and I like to know really what the words mean. And in the American Heritage Dictionary, it says this hope, the feeling that what is desired is also possible or that events may turn out for the best. To give up hope is to reach the end. To keep on hoping means there may yet be a chance, however small, that what is desired will come to pass. Father, I ask that you use these words, Lord, use these scriptures to direct our hearts to putting our hope in you, not in things, not in people, but in you. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Well, growing up, I've said it, and I've heard a lot of people say it, I hope I can do it. I hope I can pass that test. I hope for this. I hope for that. But the question that Quang presented was this. What do you put your hope in? Is it your good looks? Is it your strength? Is it your intellect? What are the things that you really put your hope in? What is hope? We don't live in a secure and a predictable world. In fact, most of us tend to be absorbed with our day-to-day affairs and that we overlook the more important things of eternal issues until suddenly, boom, you have a heart attack. Or, boom, you get noticed that you don't have a job anymore. Wow, where's your hope? Is your hope in your job? Is your hope in your health? What is the anchor in you? For me personally, when I think about hope, about three years ago, Beth and I experienced something that a lot of people don't at the same time have happen, and that is we both lost our jobs evangelistic temple school closed the doors and about a week or two later I get noticed that Tulsa Public Schools school board side they're going to shut down adult ed. Now both of us been there for 23 years and we both kind of were thinking well we're going to retire from this right? Well wrong. God has different plans. Now I can say that pretty frank and without a lot of emotion now, but three years ago, folks, it was tough. The toughest thing for me was not just getting that notice that, hey, you're kaput, you're gone, you're out of here, adios. The thing that hit me the hardest was closing down the program. The last four weeks of my job was to gather up all the material, all the books, not just at our main site, but I had to go to 10 other sites that we had classes throughout the city and gather all that and have it ready for Union Public Schools to haul it off. That was hard. That was 23 years of wrangling over Wow, should I buy this? Should I get this? You know, I think about these teachers who used it. I think about these students who really helped them get prepared for their GED. You know, seeing all that, the emotions of that were pretty overwhelming at times. And that's where my hope is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. My hope is not in tall spoke schools, thank God. My hope is in the name of the Lord. And so as I struggle with that, it wasn't just my struggle. My wife, who taught at E.T. for 23 years, teaching middle school science, suddenly now she's teaching high school anatomy and biology. And here, 23 years, I was doing adults, and now I'm with the little guys pre-K to sixth grade at Lewis and Clark Elementary. Whoa, what a radical change. Uh, I mean, uh, I still remember um, the last year of my time in adult ed. We were breaking up a fight. This gal had a box knife slicing uh, people and blood everywhere. To uh, later that fall, I'm with these little... Lo- elementary kids, tying their shoe with their green, snotty nose. Oh, yep, get that too. So instead of blood, I had green snot. Oh, well. It was a radical change for me. But the thing is that I felt pretty helpless. In fact, letting go of those feelings of helpless, helplessness was just... At times, pretty overwhelming. But one morning, in my quiet time, in Psalms 119, verse 37. If you have your Bible, which you can turn to it. If not, I'll read that to you. Turn my eyes from worthless things. Preserve my life according to your word. As I reflected on this prayer, and it's a prayer, there's a lot of worthless things that can occupy your thoughts. Worthless things can rob you of your hope in God. Worthless things can cloud your judgment, can make you hardened, cold, and bitter. That's what worthless things can do. But I think the most important thing is it can block your view of God. In the Jameson Fawcett Brown commentary, he pointed out three ideas of this prayer. Here's the words, to turn away, and the words vanity and quicken. To turn away my eyes literally means Make my eyes pass, not noticing evil. Well, for me, I'm an old Navy guy, and I pray this is not offensive to anyone, but here it goes. The vivid example I think about was when I was on the ship in the Navy. I was a new Christian, just found the Lord. I had to daily walk through my sleeping quarters there on the ship. And lo and behold, in the Navy, we had playboy pinups like you wouldn't believe all around. So when I think of this passage, I think of I'm walking through here. I'm not going to stand. I'm not going to gawk or look at this. I'm going to move on. And that's how we are to be with the Lord. We're to look on forward to him we don't need to get ensnared and tangled up with the things of this life whether it's pornography whether it's other probably socially more acceptable sins you could say like gossip and stealing you know we need to put our eyes on the lord that's our focus the second word that they emphasize in verse 37 was vanity which literally means falsehood, something not true. When I thought about preparing this this morning, I thought about an, an expression we had in China, and that is this: "Are you a big potato? Are you a big potato?" And I said, "What do you mean? Well, you're a foreigner." And that means you're powerful, and you have a lot of influence. And Beth and I's response about being a big potato was this. Well, we see ourselves as a a potato chip. You know what a potato chip is? Okay, you put that potato chip right in front of your eye. It looks pretty big, right? But then when you turn it sideways... Kind of thin, well, that's where we're at. We're kind of thin. Well, maybe not here, but we don't have the power and the influence. You know, that's one of those false things that all of us, all of us face. Sometimes we think we're a little bigger than we ought to be. And it's a false idea that we can be sucked into. We're just potato chips. We're thin and we're brittle. We're not big and plump. This commentary also goes on about falsehood. It implies all other objects of trust than God. Idols of human power. What do you put your hope in? Eh, Do you call it luck? Like uh, last week, uh, Jim got uh, hit buy a motorcycle in his car. The guy said, oh, it was luck. Well, we don't think of things like luck. We don't look at just hard work and wise investments is going to make it. The question here is, are you putting your hope in God? Or are you putting your hope in what you can do? Whether you're healthy whether you have a 401k, where you have the meanest, baddest gun, it doesn't matter. What is your hope in? The psalmist David wrote, I hate those who cling to worthless idols. Worthless idols? David wrote this statement to contrast a total devotion to God because in his time, there are many Israelites who are deluded worship. In other words, they had other gods. When you read in the Old Testament, some of the believers or the Israelites or the God-fearing people would you know, want to keep the edge. So they'd have a little golden fetish over here or one over here. And what David is saying here in Psalms 116 is that I... Don't want that. I want my God. I want to have allegiance to the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Allegiance to God, not your bank account, not how smart you are or what things you possess, but that you make the Lord your absolute trust. Or when you read through the Psalms, He is your inheritance. He's your inheritance. He's your source for the everyday 24-7. Hope is not just for when everything goes crazy and wild and you're running into the foxhole praying, Oh, God, help me. Oh, help me. No. David had a daily relationship with, with God, He talked to him. He worshiped him. He prayed. He did things that the scriptures tell us he was a man after God's own heart. That's what God wants of you and me, everyone in this room. He wants us to be a people after him. Not talking about, oh, I'll worship God if you'll give this to me. No. We worship God because he is the maker and creator of all. That's what trust. That's what hope is put in. Psalms 40 verse 4 says, Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust, who does not look to the proud, to those who turn aside to false gods. The third word that uh, the Fawcett uh, commentary pointed out from Psalm uh, 119.37 is the word quicken. And quicken, another word for quicken would be revive. You know, revive me, make me with living energy, Lord, to pursue the way marked out by Thee. Revive me from the death of spiritual Helplessness. I don't know about you, but I think I could honestly say it. Every person in this room has had a time of helplessness. When you see your spouse ill, there's nothing can happen that can change the matter. You're helpless. When you see your son or your daughter in the ER, and there's nothing you can do. You're helpless. You look for God's mercy, but you put your hope in the God who made heaven and earth. We also read about in Psalms 116 where David is saying, The cords of death entangled me, and the anguish of the grave came upon me. I was overcome by trouble and sorrow. Isn't it good to be able to read Psalms that kind of verbalize your feelings of what you're going through? Well, when we read about this, I want us to also remember in 1 Samuel, chapter 30, David experienced this nearness of death when his own men wanted to stone him to death over the loss of their sons and daughters and wives. The story goes in 1 Samuel 30, that the Amalekites had just raided the city of Ziklag. They had destroyed it. And then they stole everything of value before David and his men returned back to Ziklag. The part that I like most about this section in 1 Samuel 30 is verse 6, and it reads this. And David encouraged himself in the Lord. And David encouraged himself in the Lord. When I was in college, I, uh, that was one of the verses I wanted to memorize, not just because David, but it really hit me to encourage myself in the Lord. As I look back through my Christian experience, there have been times that have been very difficult. And that verse has been a stabilizing verse. And David encouraged himself in the Lord. You know, David could have, as some of the commentators say, he could have allowed bitterness to conquer him. He could have sunk in a hole of depression. He could have just gave up and quit. But David put his hope in God. Now, you can read the news, you can see commentaries about what's going on in the world, and it looks pretty grim, looks pretty dismal. But, you know, the, the same things that we're seeing in the news front here today, the early church experienced those things. They had nutcases thinking that they were serving God by blowing your brains out. Well, we live in a culture, in a society, in a world that there are more and more of those nutcases. But we don't need to fear. We have a far better place to be. That doesn't mean I'm not saying, oh, go ahead and shoot me. No, I'm not, I'm not making myself a target practice right now. But I do believe in our lifetime, here in America, we'll see that. We'll see that. They'll say, do you really believe in God? And you say, yes, boom. That's what happened in Colorado several years ago. When a young man asked this girl, do you believe in God? I think it'll come in our lifetime We'll see people who will think they are doing a service to God by blowing us away. We don't need to stay in fear and trembling or wondering, when is that shoe going to drop next? Okay? This morning's message I want more than anything is for us all to remember. We put our hope in God who made heaven and earth. Hope in God. As we put our hope in God, we won't need to turn to the dark side where bitterness and revenge will rule our thoughts. We don't need to go there. Proverbs, as Jim Grinnell had shared a couple weeks ago, mentioned, reminds us to guard our hearts, for out of it comes the issue of life. To be in guard means to be alert and not asleep at will. Every day when we step out that door and we go to work, we don't know what faces us or what dangers lie ahead. And we don't need to live in fear. We need to put our hope in God who made heaven and earth. I want to go ahead and read Romans chapter 5. In Romans chapter 5, beginning verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, But we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that sufferings produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And this is what I like the most, verse 5. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom he has given us. And when I read that, I was thinking, wow, God poured his love into my heart, not just my head, He poured in my heart where I think about things, where I make decisions about things, where I choose. Do I want to forgive that person who did me wrong? God poured his love into our hearts. That's something pretty significant, folks, to think about. And those are the things we need to think about. You know, this, in Philippians, it tells us, Think on these things, brethren. Whatsoever is pure, just, honest, worthy of praise. Think on these things. When things get dark, when things get hopeless... What do we need to think on? Think on God's word. Going right along here, you see at the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. For very rarely with anyone, will anyone die for a righteous man. Though for a good man, someone might dare to die. But God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. This morning when I was getting dressed, I was saying, well, why do I want to wear a white shirt? Well, I'm a visual person, and I like to think about things about what I wear. Not that I'm a holic or any of that. But... When I was itty-bitty and I went to Immaculate Conception School, I had a nun as my teacher, and she wore a black habit. And the thing, the one illustration I will never forget, you know, she had this white I don't remember what it's called. I, I'm going to call it bib. Forgive me if I use the wrong term. But she had this bib. And one morning she was talking to us. She said, you know, I have this white bib. This is the righteousness of Christ. So when you see a white shirt, think about it. The righteousness of Christ. And I'm wearing these black pants. I'm not wearing my habit guys black pants represent my sinful state it's the righteousness of christ it's not because i'm such a good guy i'm not i've been changed i'm still in the process of being changed but i still have some time to go for that but anyhow That's just a little sidebar. I want to bring us back to uh, verse 4 in chapter 5. And this is taken from the Life Application Bible. It says For the first century Christians, suffering was the rule, not the exception. Paul tells us that in the future, we will become, but until then, we must overcome. This means we will experience difficulties to help us grow. We rejoice in suffering, not because we love pain or we're in denial and we deny its tragedy, but because we know God is using life's difficulties and Satan's attacks to build our character. The problem that we run into will develop our perseverance, which in turn will strengthen our character, deepen our trust in God, and give us a greater confidence about the future. That is, our hope in God. Our enemy knows how to draw attention to the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life. We're all pilgrims and travelers, and we must not... Stand gazing upon every object that presents itself to our view. Just like earlier when I was talking about in the Navy, I would walked through the aisles, there were pinups there. I made a point in my heart. I want to have a pure heart. I don't want to look at those pinups. I don't want to go that route. I want to stay focused On the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to live a righteous life. And I can only do that. When I turn my eyes away. And not noticing evil. There are many distractions we must walk through. And we can also. Close our mouths to gossip. Instead of engaging in that tantalizing. Wonderful ear-popping, juicy gossip. We can close our ears to that. We can close our mouths to that. Well, to sum up the message this morning, what are you putting your hope in? It's not your possessions. It's not your past success or your physical or mental abilities. It's simply putting your trust in God. The three things I wanted to remind you about Psalm 119, verse 37, was the key word to turn away. The next one, falsehood. What's true? Are you a big potato or are you a potato chip? We're not big. We don't have to think, we don't have to give in to the boastful pride life saying, I'm so wonderful, and quicken, The third word, revive me. My heart is prone to wander, Lord. That's why it's important for each of us to get together with Christians. Don't become the six-day loaf and wait for seven uh, to come to church. Get with other Christians. Encourage one another of the hope that God has put in you. Oh, Father, we thank you for your word of hope. Help us in this coming week as we all face difficulties and difficult decisions. That we put our hope in you for you are the maker of heaven and earth. Bless you, uh, Dave. Thank you so much. We put our hope in the Lord God of heaven and earth. I'd like to remind you again, let's be much in prayer for BBS this week, an incredibly strategic and important week for us as we reach out and evangelize our neighborhood. Let's be praying especially for our team, our leaders, our volunteers, our workers, everybody who will be Uh, working here at TCF these next several days. And let's all be the team in our prayer, in our faith, in our standing with what's happening here. All of you who can stay afterwards to help to move uh, chairs, uh, we would appreciate that very much. And uh, I know that the leaders of EBS will give you direction as to what needs to be done.